Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Chapter number seven. <clears throat> and I realize today that I am the only thing standing between you and lunch. Be thankful that I think with my gut as much as I do my brain. <laughs> Amen. Some of you wake up, you'll get that. We are so thankful this morning to have our extended family from. East Tennessee with us today, Brother Anthony, Sister Judy, thank you so much for being here. Let's give them a hand this morning. They're really not guests, they're, they're really just family, but we're, we're glad to have them here this morning and uh, so thankful for that. Romans chapter number 7 and verse number 21, one scripture reading this morning, the Bible says, I find then a law that when I would do good. Lord, have mercy. Evil is present with me. Anybody ever felt that? Anybody ever realized? In the moment, it's hard to realize sometimes, but afterwards, we kind of awaken ourselves to it that doing good sometimes comes with cost. It's not always the easy thing to do. It's a short verse. Let's read it again. I want it to soak in real good this morning. I find then a law. That when I would do good. The word law there really just kind of sets the stage. It's, it's not just a suggestion. This is a principle thing. That, that it's, it's going to happen. That when I would do good, evil is present with me. Lord bless you today. You can be seated. I, uh, Bishop will understand if no one else does, he'll understand what I'm about to say this morning. But as I was studying, I, I've had a, a thought that I have been mulling over now for several weeks. And as I began to study that, and it began to come together a little bit, it just kind of faded. Uh, the, the urgency of it left me, and I really began to feel like that it was just not for today. Maybe it's for next week. I don't know. Maybe it's for six years from now. I'm not sure. But I, I wanted to yield to that in study, and, and something came to my attention. And I do not do this very often. But I am resurrecting something this morning that uh, is, is several years old now. Uh, you might recognize the title. You might not. I'm a little weird sometimes, so it might stick out for you. But I want to talk to you this morning a little bit on the attack of the sweat bee. Uh, the attack, and, and hopefully we can tie that together a little bit before we're done this morning. But the Hebrew text, if you, and I realize we don't translate New Testament in Hebrew very often, but uh, it is possible. And when you look at Hebrew text of the book of Romans chapter 7, it translates this scripture as evil is stuck with me. Not just that it's present, but that it's stuck with me. Uh, the NIV text translates this verse as saying, So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. 
There have been times in my life where I felt like, you know, I had the, the, good, the good Jerry on one shoulder and the, the bad one on one shoulder and get off. I know I, know I can't be the only one this morning. Uh, and, and, and for some reason, I tend to sometimes, my flesh tends to pay attention to the voice of the one more than he does the other. And I, I don't know why that is other than there's evil stuck with me. The Apostle Paul is addressing the Roman church about how to deal with old sinful desires. Because here's the reality, ladies and gentlemen. Just because you come to church does not mean that those desires are gone. One of the biggest misunderstandings and misconceptions of new converts is that your Christian walk can be every bit as difficult as your sinful walk. Just because you're baptized in Jesus' name doesn't mean your walk gets easier. It just means you have a new birth certificate. You've got somebody to talk to about your troubles now that you might not have had before. But it does not pave a way for, for greater success. There are things that we still have to work our way through. There were three lessons which the Apostle Paul learned in dealing with his own flesh. And those become the basis of his writings in Romans chapter 7. Specifically, those lessons were, number one, knowledge is not the answer. <clears throat> he was not advocating ignorance. Paul was a very educated man. Uh, some historians even say that his level of education would be the modern day equivalent of three doctorate degrees. He was an educated man. Uh, he was not ignorant by any means, but what he was saying is just knowing does not relieve you or exempt you from evil desires or temptations. Knowing something is wrong does not stop you from wanting to do it. Knowing I should not eat that chocolate ice cream doesn't stop me from wanting it. Right? Amen. I'm not here to talk about gluttony today because I might want to celebrate later. But knowledge is not the answer. It, 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 it is important, all right? The, the, there are scriptures in the Old Testament that, that tell us that in all of our getting, get understanding. So it's important to have knowledge. But what he's saying is in the realm of evil being present with me, in the scope of understanding between good and evil, knowledge is not going to rid me of evil. The second lesson that the Apostle Paul understood was that self-determination does not succeed. Struggling in one's own strength. How many times have you heard or maybe even said yourself, well, I'm strong enough to do it. We men are really bad about that. You go to pick up something heavy, and somebody says, hey, let me help you with that. No, I can get it. Now, we might walk away like this, but we did it because we were determined to make sure so. All right? But that does not ensure success. And the reason why self-determination is not a path to success in the spiritual realm is because your evil advocate does not care about your determination. He will do everything he can do to fight you, and more often than not, if you're battling your fight in the flesh, he's going to win. Because there is a law 
that when I would do good, evil is present with me. And the only thing that I can do to avoid the evil, I can't lean on myself. I can't lean on my knowledge. I can't lean on what I did yesterday. The only way that I can ensure I avoid the evil man on my shoulder is to say, Oh God, help me. I cannot do it except the Lord go before me. Somebody say amen. amen. The, third, the third lesson that the Apostle Paul learned as he writes in Romans chapter 7 is that becoming a Christian, I, I've, I've basically already said this one, becoming a Christian does not stamp out all of the sin and the temptation from your life. As a matter of fact, to some degree, I would even posture today that becoming a Christian may even, stay with me here, to some degree, it may even magnify the evil in your life. Because now I'm more self-aware of what's wrong and what's right. When I was... Uh, I, you, we're all home folks this morning. Everybody knows me, I think. Uh, grew up in church. My dad has been a pastor most of my life. And um, when I repented, I, I was young when I repented. I think I was 10 years old. Got the Holy Ghost when I was 12. Um, but I had already established some sinful patterns in my life. And one of them was related to music. There, there was music that I listened to when I was with my school friends I knew mom and dad wouldn't appreciate. I knew they would not approve. I knew it was wrong. I knew the lyrics were wrong. I, but I was, I was in sinful man. Right? When I got the Holy Ghost and really started trying, that became obvious to me. Before, when I would be in the store or wherever and they would be pray, playing certain things, they weren't praying, when they would be playing certain things over the radio, it didn't really dawn on me what they were doing. But when I got the Holy Ghost I, and I walked in these stores, it felt like that they were playing it just for me. And it was as loud as it could get in the store for them to tolerate, and it was probably just me, but it was painstakingly obvious to me that, that there was something about that that wanted to get a hold in my life. Are you hearing me this morning? There are things that when we separate ourselves from them and you cross a line between good and evil, evil then targets you. You don't walk away from the enemy and him just wash his hands and say, all right, I lost that one. He's not giving up as long as you're breathing. He's not giving up as long as you're trying. Because there is a law. And we fight that law when we're awake. We fight that law when we're asleep. We fight those things as long as we're trying. But let me tell you something this morning. If you're not facing temptation, it's not because you have that level of spirituality. If you are not facing temptation, it's because there's nothing left to tempt. 
Now, that's the, probably the most negative way I could say it. Let me turn that around this morning. If you are facing temptation, don't give up today because that's just a good indicator. He don't have you just yet. And, and, hey, 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 don't give up. Don't give up. Just because he's tempting you doesn't mean it's right. Well, I just don't know if I want to go to church today. I just don't know if I feel like it. You know, you can feel like yourself out and in of anything. You think about it long. Now, I'm not throwing off on people who have legitimate needs. All right? But we live in a society today. I know this both in the church and in the secular workforce. It's no different. People can think themselves into a headache. You can think yourself into, well, I just don't feel well. I'm not trying to be sarcastic this morning, but, but let, let me just say this today. What do you expect? Because if you're expecting to go through life and feel great all of the time, you're sadly mistaken. There are pains when I wake up. When, when, I, when, I, when I wake up and get out of bed, when my feet touch the floor, I am not shouting glory, hallelujah. I'm shouting, oh, Jesus, help me. But I am not about to sit back down and say, I'm not doing anything today because I don't feel good. Because the moment I do that, We've got an adversary that's just sitting there. And he's just waiting. And he's waiting for you to say, I give. That's, that's all he wants to hear. He wants you to tap out. He's just waiting on you to surrender. You, are, you have to resign. As a Christian, you have to resign yourself to the fact that you are going to fight and you are going to face struggles in your life every day. Listen to me. Not every struggle you have is going to be spiritual. Because there is nothing in this verse. If you put that verse back up for me this morning, Romans 7, 21. There is nothing in this verse that talks about the Holy Ghost. There's nothing in that verse that talks about the plan of salvation. There's nothing in that verse that talks about worship. There's nothing in that verse that talks about spirituality. It just simply says that there's a law that whenever I try to do good, there's evil present with me. Good can be anything. That's good. It can be out of the church. It can be in the church. It can be as small scale as you just paying a compliment to someone. That's good. And then have someone turn right around and throw that compliment off on you and say, well, you're not like that. It don't have to be big stuff. When I would do good, could be. Coming to church. 
Think about it. Mount Carmel is... I haven't done a scientific study on this, but just speaking off the cuff intuitively, per capita, Mount Carmel probably ranks among the highest in the number of churches for its population. We are the most religious city. Follow my terminology here for a moment. We are the most religious city that you could probably get that don't know God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Now you plant an apostolic church right in the middle of it. When we would do good. There is evil <laughs> present with me. Evil can be, it can be witchcraft. That's probably the extreme. We know in our county that that happens. All right, I can't refute that. There is a spiritual aspect to the things that we fight. Not every stronghold is physical or natural. I get that. That's the extreme. But if we go to the other side extreme, it could be just as simple as we serve one God, not three. Hey, hero Israel, <laughs> the Lord our God is one, and his name is Jesus. And we're going to baptize in His name. We're going to preach deliverance in His name. We're going to preach that that is the only acceptable means of salvation. Whether there's two or three or two or three hundred, that is still the name. And it's the only name that saves. Hey, I'm feeling good this morning. There may be evil present, but the evil does not take away from the power of our God. It does not take away from the power of His name so that I must continue to follow the law and know that if there's good, there may be evil, but I'm not slowing my walk. I'm still going to travel for Him. Somebody shout hallelujah. You're good. Man, I kind of wish, wish we didn't have so many people out of town right now. Lord Jesus, help me. People need to know that they're not alone in their fight. Just because you're facing a struggle doesn't mean you're sinning. We've got to remember that. The struggle is not indicative of sin. The struggle indicates that I am after I'm, I'm within the law. Your struggle can be if you're if you're there's not many here this morning, but there are some. But if you're a part of our volunteer staff here at the church, your good that accompanies that is accompanied by evil can simply be your function in the church. You trying to do something for God. It can bring evil. Last August, August 2nd, I had surgery. I haven't talked about it much. I had surgery. It was a simple surgery, sinus surgery. 
surgery itself went well. <clears throat> when they went to close out the surgery, take out the breathing tube, my vocal cords slammed shut. And uh, I won't tell you every detail this morning, but when the vocal cords slam shut, that means your throat is closed. And there is no air going in and there's no air going out. I was on a path to die. There are certain things the doctors haven't told me. I don't know that I did or didn't a couple of times, just to be brutally honest with you. And I could explain that separately. But nonetheless, when the doctor himself looks at you later and says, I took you in breathing and almost didn't bring you out, that kind of takes your breath just a little bit. And it was, uh, it was mentally and psychologically traumatic, more so than it was physically. So what was supposed to be a, an hour and a half long surgery, stay in recovery for a few minutes, wake up and go home, ended up being an overnight stay in ICU for monitoring. And uh, so I went in, I think, on a, a Thursday or a Friday, I don't remember which, and uh, one day in the hospital, then they let me out the second day and would come home. Before we left the hospital, I, I, I could not get, Bishop, I could not get Jeremiah 29.11 off of my mind. I really felt like the Lord was trying to tell me something. And uh, I got, I got a, a, a ding on my phone, and my wife looked at it, and, and it was Brother Wedding, Pastor Wedding from... Uh, from the Indiana district, and he had sent me a message. <clears throat> I want to read it to you this morning because I, I, want, I want you to understand that there are things you are going to go through whenever you're trying to do good. And our adversary, the devil, will stop nothing short of trying to destroy you to keep you from fulfilling your calling. And I was feeling pretty defeated. At the time, the last two years prior to this year, as many of you know, uh, were, were very problematic health years for me. And then you throw this on top of it, I, I, I thought it was about done. And uh, I read the message, and, and it says, uh, I had a dream this morning about you. Now, you've got to understand something. Brother Wedding is someone that I probably see maybe, maybe twice a year. And that's mostly at camp meeting. I don't see him much. I don't really talk to him much. I think he's a great guy. He's a good pastor. I just don't have a whole lot of connection to him. And, but he, he sends me this message. He says, I had a dream this morning about you, which while I was dreaming, I must have been half awake because I thought, why am I dreaming about Brother and Sister Mason? He says, anyways, the dream, there was a celebration dinner going on. I got the impression... You were retiring from a position you held in the church, like youth leader or something. He didn't know that that had already taken place. People were there giving card speeches, laughing, crying, a typical thank you, congratulations dinner. Someone asked, what are you going to do now? <clears throat> and he said that I said, I don't know, probably going to rest and take it easy and just see what happens from here. He says, I got the impression you felt like your work was done and didn't know what your calling was now. But in the dream, I heard the Lord speak. His work is not over. Bigger and better things are in store. 
Then I woke up and read your post on Facebook about your surgery and what was happening. He says, oh my word, your work is not over. God has a plan for you and it's bigger than you can imagine. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to just remind you today that while there may be a law that evil is present with me, evil does not have to destroy me because we serve a God today that is not only bigger, but He is greater. He is more powerful. Oh, hallelujah. And He cares more about you than to just let you succumb to the evil that is around you. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So the Apostle Paul often compares our Christian journey to that of a strenuous race or fight. In other words, I think what he's trying to get across to us is being a Christian, it goes beyond just the declaration. It's something you have to work for. It's a sad reality, but I, think it's, it, I, think, I don't think this is generational. I think this is because we're human. But you have to fight to do good. Because there is a law that wants to dictate that evil is stuck on you. Becoming a Christian in our faith walk is often a lifelong process. I am further in my journey today than I was when I started. Many of you could attest to the fact that you're further along today than you were when you started. You should be further along today than you were when you started. So that is an indicator to us today that you don't start out where you're supposed to be. The artist who is modeling the clay has to work the clay until it's perfected. The clay does not start out what the end result looks like. It's pretty ugly. And no one has the vision but the artist. Thank God he has a vision for us. So <clears throat> the Apostle Paul emphasizes in his writings that no one in the world is innocent. And no one deserves be saved. We're saved by grace today. Not because we deserve it, but because he gave it to us, because he loves us. So each of us today must depend on our relationship with Jesus and the growth and obedience in our walk with him in order to survive this faith walk that we have. You can't earn it. You're not smart enough. I'm not here to insult anybody today. But we need to understand what field we're playing in. None of us are smart enough to navigate the waters between good and evil on our own. Our intelligence factor is not it. Our, our willingness to fight in and of itself is not it. We have to submit and obey to the Word of God, to the Spirit of God, and understand that He is ultimately in control of the situation. But it puts each of us into a situation where we question our good intentions. Is it really worth it? Things do not get harder 
for you because you're serving God. But the awareness of the fact that things do not go away because you're serving God sometimes feels that way. Because repentance does not remove consequence for sin. The job of repentance in and of itself is not healing. We have to separate the two. Healing is God's business. And he either does or he doesn't for reasons of his own. I don't pretend to know what those reasons are. But that has nothing to do with my salvation. I can be saved and not be healed. I can still want to be healed, but that has nothing to do with my salvation. Repentance's job in and of itself is forgiveness. The job of baptism is not healing. I've seen people healed in baptism. But that's not the point. The point of baptism is to bury the old man and wash me clean. So that when I come up, the Bible says, I come up a new creature in Jesus Christ. The job of receiving the Holy Ghost, again, is not healing. The job of the Holy Ghost is to give me the indwelling of the Spirit of God. So that I might consider myself born again. It's a birth certificate. It's not retirement rights. Too often people come to church and they repent, they're baptized to get the Holy Ghost, and then they want to sit on a church pew and say, I'm saved, it's done. It's not done. You were just born. Now it's time to learn how to crawl. Now it's time to learn how to walk. Now it's time to learn how to run. Now it's time to learn. So it's important for us today to settle on the side of truth versus fiction and realize that Christians are not perfect. This man holding this microphone today is not perfect. I have a self-awareness today of just exactly how dramatic my need is of God because of the law of good and evil. I know what my thoughts are. And sometimes I think something, I think, dear God, help me. If we ever stop asking Him to help us, the thoughts we have then might become reality. And that's where it leads to backslidings. Because thoughts then become actions. You entertain a thought long enough, you're going to do it. The thought is not the sin. But you stay on the track of the thought and you walk with it, you're going to follow where it leads. And it doesn't matter. It matters not whether you're sitting in a church pew. Because some of the most dramatic backslidings and scandals and things that I've ever witnessed in my life come from within the church. So we need to be careful today how pious we get in thinking that we're saved. Now, I've not come to be rude this morning, but we need to understand that each and every one of us are fighting a fight. And if I follow the thoughts of that fight, I'm going to follow where it leads. You can hide it from Bishop, you can hide it from me, you can hide it from whomever, but you'll never hide it from God. 
Lord, I don't know where that come from. That's not in my notes today. But we need to understand that hiding something from people does not mean that you are free. <coughs> Excuse me. Look at your neighbor this morning and tell him I make mistakes. <clears throat> I got to move on. Let's talk about the sweat bee. I got to tie this together. And if I don't get there, I'm not going to get there, and I want to get there. <clears throat> One of the most common bees in the world <clears throat> is the sweat bee. It's given to a member of a large family of bees who all have in common the fact they are attracted to the salt in human perspiration. <clears throat> right now I'm thanking God that we are in a closed environment that is beeless. Researchers suspect that the salt from human perspiration provides vital nutrients and is preferred by the bee over actual foods such as meat and fish. The sweat is an attractant to the bee which gives them an open invitation for attack. Sweating or perspiring is our body's mechanism of keeping us cool and preventing us from overheating in a warm environment or during exercise or exertion called preaching. <clears throat> or whatever your occupation is at the moment. The sweat gland produces sweat, which is the fluid that mostly consists of water and has a very high amount of sodium and chloride and a low amount of potassium. What generally causes a person's body temperature to go up, we know, is activity <clears throat> or work. In the work, the activity or the effort of doing something causes the sweat bee to sniff you out. If you didn't do anything resulting in a lack of sweat, then you would have no problem with the menace known as the sweat bee. But to sweaters worldwide, it's something that in the right environment they have to fight. So now let's look at this in a spiritual application. <clears throat> Romans 7.21 tells us when I would do good, evil is present with me. Do is simply a verb that indicates a direct action. It's performing something. It's doing something. It's working. Doing can cause sweat. In other words, when I would set out to accomplish or finish something <clears throat> in the doing, that law is telling me that there is an evil present with me that stops me, gets in my way, or tries to get me off focus. <clears throat> Just like sweat attracts the sweat bee, our efforts of doing good, symbolic today in the spiritual application, symbolic of the sweat, our efforts to do good attract our enemy. Our enemy, in this case, symbolic of the sweat bee, our adversary, Satan, is attracted. He sniffs you out. 
when there's good present. We need to understand that today. You're not going to do good and not have an enemy sniff you out. That's a sad reality. <coughs> now, it's still worth doing good. All right. The, the struggle still outweighs the surrender. It's still worth doing good. But your godly efforts act as an attractant to the enemy of your soul. You would have enjoyed watching me yesterday. Alex and I were on top of our house <coughs> working on an, an area of roof that needed some repair. <coughs> and uh, actually this happened to me a couple of weekends in a row. Uh, yesterday was, was one of them. <clears throat> so we've got, and it wasn't a sweat bee, but it, it, the symbolism is still the same. We've got a, uh, a, a nest of bumblebees <clears throat> on one side of the house. And if you know anything about where we live in our house, our, we have a wraparound front porch, and that flat roof above it kind of goes around. On this side, over by the driveway, there's a nest, Brother Fred, of, of bumblebees that uh, I counted more than two dozen flying around. <clears throat> my neighbor, the, a week ago, my neighbor looks up at me and she says, my son just, just told me, he said, Mommy, I, I really hope our neighbor doesn't fall off his roof because I had a broom in my hand and I was doing this. I was smacking away. I spent half of my time fighting and half of my time working. So I went to the store, and I, I loaded up on ammo. I had four, four cans of one brand and one can of another. So at one point, uh, I had, I had a, a uh, uh, trowel, a mortar trowel, in one hand with tar on it. And I had a can of Raid in another, which, by the way, does really nothing for a bumblebee. You have to get them weighted down so much that they're heavy so they fall and you step on them. The liquid does nothing for them, which is quite shocking and quite disappointing. <laughs> so, <clears throat> one, one, can in one hand, uh, a, a trowel in another. I told Alex at one point, I said, I feel like Nehemiah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got armor and, 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 and ammo in one hand. I've got a tool in another. Let's build the wall. So we're working away, and here they come. We were on the opposite side, but they'd sniff us out. They knew we were there, and they'd come over one at a time. He must have been the scout. They'd come over one at a time, and I would try my absolute best to kill them one at a time. I went through almost four cans of stuff and only killed two of them. And it wasn't because I was that bad of a shot. I don't think. But they would just, well, well the danger was is I made him mad. All right? So once they're mad... You got to go all in. And at one point, he was already off the roof, and they were yelling at me, saying, Are you about done yet? I said, It's either me or it's him, and it's not going to be me. I'm staying. I had a can in each hand. <laughs> but he sniffed us out, and they come at you, and they get in front of you, and they just kind of taunt you just a little bit. And then I'd pull up the can, and I'd follow him around. And then I'd stop and I'd look to see where my footing was to see how close to the edge I was. It gives you an eerie feeling. 
All right? But I begin to think about that this morning. And that's exactly what the devil wants to do to you. He wants to taunt you. He wants to get in your face. And you need to take a strong stand in your Christian walk and understand it's either you or him. This is not a I'm just trying it out to see if it works situation. You've got to be all in. And you're either all in or you're all out. There is no middle ground in the, in the faith walk. And we need to be all in today. I want to be all in. And I, I, I want to fight. And I want to build. And I'll be Nehemiah as much as I have to be. But what we need to do about it today is to trust our Savior. And understand that while there is a law, the law may exist, but so does He. He's greater than the law. So the answer today, excuse me, the answer today is don't stop trying. The answer today is don't give up. If you're doing something, don't stop. If you're attending, show up to church. If you're worshiping, worship. Don't stop. Because everything you do that you stop gives him another foothold of evil in your life. And the moment that you think, well, you know, Bishop, I'm not going too far. I, I'm, not, I'm not doing too much. I, I, I'm just, I just need some time. I've never heard the like of people in the last 10 or 15 years that just need time. Well, what in the world is time going to do for you? Because it's not going to help you any. Because you can watch. <clears throat> the people who complain the most are people who have time. It happens at work. We're slow right now. Sales is soft. Business is slow i got more com people complaining about everything now than I ever have. Because they got more time to think about it. They stand around and watch what they don't like. Happens in the church, too. Well, I don't like that, preacher. Well, you need to fill up your time. You need to get busy doing something. Because if you'll do something, you'll have less time to think about what you don't like. Because that's a foothold. It's a foothold. That's the little guy on the shoulder. That's a foothold of, of things. Because we can all find something we don't like. You may not like the color of my tie or the color of my socks. And yes, people can be that petty. You may not like the ceiling fans being on. And when you don't like that they're not on, somebody else don't like that they're off. You don't like that it's 70 degrees, somebody else don't like that it's not 68 degrees. You don't like the color of the carpet, somebody else wouldn't like the other color option. Are you hearing me? <clears throat> you don't like the drum cage, there's people that didn't like it without it. You don't like the screen, there's people that don't like it without it. So for everything that you think, there's somebody that has an opposite opinion. Because when we would do good, even in the church, there's evil. 
You're not going to escape the evil, but you can get deliverance from the evil. Just don't stop trying. You're not going to agree with everything that's said. You're not going to agree with everything that's done. But the moment we let our flesh start driving our worship, understand that statement this morning. When your flesh is in the driver's seat of your worship, there's not going to be any worship. You may clap your hands, you may raise your hands, but there's no worship involved. And the moment our flesh takes precedence and priority over our life is the moment evil starts getting a foothold. We don't want to call it evil because that sounds extreme. But that's what the Bible says. That when I would do good, there's evil present with me. God did not save you to have you walk in defeat. We have victory. The victory may not look like what you want it to look like. But we have victory today. Well, he hasn't healed me yet. Well, he hasn't healed me either, but he's still God. We're still singing. We're still praising. I still hurt. I still have to cough, stop every once in a while and cough because the lungs can only handle so much. But he's still God. And he's still bigger than I am. He's still bigger than my problems. Well, I don't like that he hasn't healed me. I don't like it either. But I can't change it. That's a, that's a God thing. And I'm not about to link my salvation to my, to my healing. I'm going to walk with him. Stand with me this morning. I'm going to walk with him. We need to walk with him regardless of what he does for us. Because I'm not serving God just to get something. serving God today because I love Him and because I believe His Word is truth. Amen? I wonder this morning if you'd lift your hands with me for a while. Let's worship Him today. There is an attack. We're going to fight it every day. But we need to be ready and understand that the good still outweighs the surrender. And God's still able. Jesus, mighty God, we love you this morning. <clears throat> we love you. We praise you. We thank you. Hallelujah. Oh, if somebody could just start whispering the name of Jesus together. There's power in his name this morning. Jesus, we magnify you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we adore you. For neither is there salvation in any other. We love you today. God, you're a worthy God. You're a powerful God. You're an all-knowing God. I love you, Jesus. Evil may be stuck with me today, but God, you're greater. God, I'm not going to stop trying to do good just because evil's present. God, you're greater than evil. You're, you're greater than the flesh, man. God, help my focus to be right. Help me, Lord, to, fo to focus on the right things, Lord, and keep my, keep my worship right, keep my heart right. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, God, you're worthy today. Amen, amen, amen. Look at your neighbor this morning and tell him, it's worth it. <clears throat> it's worth it. Man.
Thank you for coming to the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, thanks for putting up with me. Uh, it's been a it's been a good service. It's uh, <clears throat> it's always good to be in the house of the Lord. There is no service this evening. Uh, again, uh, we are just trying to be intentional about allowing people uh, time to to be intentional with family time and celebrate. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.